Welcome to The Shalene Show. Shalene is a New York Times bestselling author, celebrity fitness trainer, and obsessed with helping you live your dream life. Hey there, welcome to this edition of The Shalene Show. My guest today is Laura Klein. She is the co-founder of OrganicAuthority.com, the ultimate online resource for all things organic. Now, Laura also happens to be a trained chef with roots in the organic food movement. And today, we'll be talking about why you need to choose organic food, what you really need to know about the difference between organic and conventionally farmed produce, as well as tips for buying organic on a budget. All that and more today on The Shalene Show. Laura Klein, thank you so much for joining us today here on The Shalene Show. Thank you so much for having me, Shalene. It's great to be here. Really excited to have someone of your authority, no pun intended, on the show. I think the first thing I want to ask, just because I'm really curious myself, is how and why did this become such a passion for you? Well, kind of really inadvertently, I always had a passion for food. That's really where it started. I grew up with a fabulous mother who was an excellent cook and taught me a lot just about the fundamentals of cooking. And after I got married and I got a job and living in LA and I was working at an agency and I kind of realized I was in the wrong spot when I would come back from a weekend and talk to all my buddies at the agency and they would say, hey, what scripts did you read over the weekend? And I'd be like, scripts? I'm reading cookbooks and cooking magazines. I'm not reading scripts. And that was kind of my first clue. I was in the wrong job. And I decided to, a local culinary school opened up and I decided to enroll as an assistant. And I liked it so much. I enrolled full time after two years. And that experience was really eye opening. I grew up in Colorado and I was surrounded by nature, but I was never into the organic thing. I thought it was, you know, very hippy dippy. I thought it was for the birds. I thought it was just like a little bit crazy kind of hoo ha out there. But in culinary school, they taught us the difference between how organic food is grown and how conventional food is grown. And that really opened up my eyes. I was really stunned. And I also discovered a secret behind the fine chefs of the world at the time, and that they were all cooking with organic ingredients, but they didn't brag about it on their menus at the time, because then at the time it was associated with hippie, grungy, granola, bland tasting food. And so that caught my attention. And so I started running around to the local farmer's markets here in LA and started doing all these taste tests of organic tomato next to a conventional tomato and down the line. And as I started diving deep into that and realizing that these chefs were right and also seeing how America's conventional food supply is grown and how the organic food supply is grown, I had a paradigm shift. I was shocked and stunned at how America was growing and raising and also processing our conventional food supply. And I really felt America had been lied to in terms of what we were eating. And I also directly saw how America's burgeoning health crisis was related to the everyday foods Americans were eating. And I just really got angry. And I felt like I could write about it. I knew I could because I studied journalism in college. And I knew I could develop recipes and take photos. And my husband is a web developer. And I'm like, I'm going to launch a website and, you know, start positioning this in a different way. Because also at the time, the green movement was very kind of like shake your finger at somebody, telling people they were living, you know, a bad life if they did certain things. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to kind of make it more approachable and accessible. So that was my inspiration. 
This is really interesting. First of all, high fives, virtual high fives, girlfriend, because I am with you in the paradigm shift and like the outrage that I feel today that I didn't feel like three years ago. You said something that I find interesting. You said, I realized that consumers had been lied to. I had that same epiphany, but today it shifted a little bit in, I wonder if it's, we've been lied to or have we just been uninformed because we're not that interested? Well, I think it's a number of things that are actually happening. Yes, I actually do think we're lied to. And I never, ever thought I would be saying that. Mm -hmm. Again, going back to, I thought the organic, you know, thing was the hippy dippy, like, you know, kind of conspiracy theory thing. Sure. I remember thinking that way. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It was the weird mom who was buying like organic fruit. I'm like, whatever, just buy your fruit, lady. Exactly, exactly. And we're all still living, right? Nobody has any health problems. Yeah. I do think we have been lied to. And I also think the internet has played a huge, huge part in getting consumers educated. I got to tell you, yes. when I started this, I never, ever thought we would be where we are today in terms of how quickly our things have changed in terms of transparency, traceability, Mm. not just with food, but even with beauty products, consumer products, because it's not just me who got angry. There are a lot of moms and there are a lot of people who care about what, Mm -hmm. you know, the food that they're bringing home and feeding their family with and including their dogs and have decided enough is enough. The bright side of it is, is that there are a lot of changes being made. A lot of Big companies are listening and they're cleaning up their products and the changes that are happening are really, truly extraordinary. And there's a lot of new brands that are launching too that have this amazing, clean, transparent supply chain and are really passionate about supplying clean food, clean beauty products or ingredients to consumers. Thank goodness. Yeah. I want to get right into specifics. So if I'm on a budget or... I find it inconvenient to always shop for organic food. Can you help me understand, is it that big of a deal? Why do I need to care? Well, you do want to care. And the reason why you want to care is because, unfortunately, after World War II, when we had this plethora of chemical agents, our government had to figure out what to do with these chemicals. And what they discovered was, is that a lot of these chemicals were actually really great at using as a pesticides. Mm-hmm. I was talking about Agent Orange. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And DDT. Well, Agent Orange was used for the Vietnam War and DDT, I believe, came out of World War II, was actually one of the main ingredients in the nerve gas gas chambers that were used to exterminate people. And so they decided to start using it as a pesticide. Initially, they thought it was totally safe. No one was going to get hurt and all that kind of stuff. But then what they found out is people were getting really terribly sick. They were starting to develop all these neurological problems. Children with learning disabilities started to show up and people just started getting sick. I don't know if you know this, but off the coast of one of our largest ports here in LA, they actually dumped a lot of the DDT into the ocean. And that was like a really big kind of like taboo. It's kind of like a big deal because there's just this huge like toxic load there. Today, DDT is banned. We have learned from our mistakes. But glyphosate is not. No, no, it is not. It is not. And that's heavily sprayed on GMO crops. We can talk about that as well. But in particular, if you're a mom, you're a woman, you're thinking about getting pregnant, you are pregnant, you have small children. 
you really need to think about going organic for your children and your family because studies have come out that have shown that exposure to pesticides with a child in the womb or really in the early stages of development can affect their neurological development and can lead to behavioral you know, disorders and ADHD and things like that down the line. And so it's really important. And if you really want to dig deep, you can take a look at, there are some serious health diseases like some cancers and other things that are related to pesticides exposure. So it's no joke. Oh, it's no joke. Yeah. There's a study that was published in JAMA, the Journal of American Medical Associations, where they had tracked people, specifically now that we're talking about Southern California, people in over the age of 50 in Southern California, looking at them during the years of 1993 to 1996, and then again from 2014 to 2016. And what they found was that they tested positive for glyphosate, wow. which is obviously the active ingredient in herbicides, specifically like Roundup and others, but the amount of glyphosate shot up 500% during that time. Wow. Well, very coincidentally, or not coincidentally, I should say, glyphosate usage spiked 1,200% during that time. So, I mean, it's real. Wow. Yeah. No, it really is. And see, I think actually one of the scariest things about GMOs, and a lot of people actually don't talk about this, it's the conversations are actually usually more directed about the genetic modification. And we don't know the repercussions of playing you know, Mother Earth. We have no idea. We're kind of getting a little bit of an inkling because some weird things are starting to happen in terms of Mother Nature, you know, frogs showing up with double sex organs and things like that. But also one of the scariest things is on these GMO crops, they are genetically modified to stand this huge amount of toxic pesticide spray, glyphosate, that is just kind of crazy. Even though we don't know really the outcome of what that genetic modification is, because GMOs haven't been around that long, relatively speaking. Let's just assume that those GMOs are safe to eat and they aren't, you know, they aren't going to harm us. But what about that huge pesticide residue spray on there? How about that? How is that affecting human health? How is that affecting our environment? It's really kind of crazy when you start to look at the stats and the studies on it. And also that I don't think many people realize that glyphosate is categorized as an antibiotic. That's crazy. I mean, like to think that, you know, everyone's noticed this where you're becoming almost immune to our antibiotics. And we know that antibiotics kill <laughs> all of our bacteria, the good and the bad. So to think that we're experiencing a 1,200% increase of exposure and we don't even realize it, it can be pretty scary. You know, how much of this, Laura, is supply and demand? Right. Well, it definitely starts with both. And I have to applaud the consumers because the consumers, again, in my experience over the past, you know, 10, 12 years of doing this, really actually before that, you know, while I was in culinary school, consumers have made their voice be heard. And it is really quite staggering. And so consumers have voted with their dollars and they have said, we want a clean food supply. Now, of course, not everyone is. I mean, there's large parts of America that still feel like, you know, like I did, you know, organic was a bunch of hoo-hahs for the birds, whatever. But there are a lot of people out there who have gotten educated. And how that's affected corporations is loss of market share. So they have now been forced to listen to consumers and say, wow, okay, 
we're losing market share over here. This brand or these products within this brand used to be our number one selling product. And our sales are dropping. We used to have, you know, positive gains year after year, year after year, but now they're losing, losing, losing. And so many brands have reformulated products and they've also acquired a lot of these small startups in order to gain new market share and see a positive growth pattern. That is very encouraging. For those who are trying to, I guess, be convinced by listening and maybe also to just have a better understanding, why is it we need to choose organic over conventional? Because I think one of the myths Or maybe one of the things that people who are in favor of conventional farming will often say, they'll cite studies where they look at organic fruits and vegetables versus those conventionally farmed and will point to the fact that they're, quote, no less healthy. Yeah. How are we defining healthy? And when we hear studies like that, which of course get picked up by the news media, like, you know, in a recent poll, consumers need to know that organic isn't any healthier, but we're not defining healthy when we hear things like that. That's only part of the story. What's the other piece that people need to hear? One thing I also want to make clear too, I just kind of want to share in terms of conventional farming. I don't want to demonize conventional farming either because you know what's amazing today is a lot of conventional farms are now starting to implement the practices of organic farming. There are many studies out there that support both sides. So it really actually depends upon what side you want to believe. Because for every study that says organic isn't nutritionally superior, there are studies that out there that show certain organic foods. I'm not going to say all of them because it's just not true. But there are studies that show that certain organic foods do carry more nutrition than conventional foods. And it also depends upon where that piece of produce was grown. It also depends upon the soil health. It depends upon a lot of things that are going to be different from farm to farm and from test to test. And so it's never going to be like a one size fits all across the board. And so you really have to decide for yourself what's important because eating kind of like a steady supply of conventionally grown food that carries a high amount of pesticide residue, that means you're supplying your body with a steady supply of pesticides that your body then has to process and work overtime to eliminate. So you just kind of have to decide what's important for you if it is or it isn't. And there are many people who live a long life that, you know, it does not affect. Well, do we know that yet? Has our people, you know, the people who are centurions, they haven't lived their lives eating the same way that someone who's 50 has, you know, like, I think it's definitely gotten worse. We know that in the last 20 years. And I also think as a consumer, You don't want to wait. Like, I don't want to have to read a nutritional analysis. We look to the experts to tell us if we want to err on the side of caution, what is our best choice? Which leads me to my next question. If we are making a decision to buy organic, I assume that you can shed some light on which produce we need to, you know, be very prudent about looking for the organic certification. And those where we can maybe be a little less stringent about our practices. So yeah, so if you want to prioritize what foods you want to buy organic and non-organic for budgetary needs, or even you may not have a lot of access to it, there's some really simple tips. You can go to ewg.org, that's Environmental Working Group, 
And they've created the Dirty Dozen Shopper's Guide to Pesticide and Produce. And they put this guide out every single year that you can download. You can put it in your wallet. Now I think they have an app. So you can put the app on your phone. You can pull it out, that type of thing. But one of the kind of like simple things I like to take a look at, or I just kind of realized is that generally speaking, you know, thin fruits that have a thin skin and sweet are more likely to carry a higher pesticide residue. So for instance, like strawberries, which tops the list, nectarines, apples, grapes, peaches, cherries, pears, tomatoes. And there are things like celery and sweet bell peppers and potatoes. And this year they added like a plus of hot peppers happened to top that list as well. And even spinach. And so all of those kind of have like one thing in common with the exception of maybe the potatoes and the celery, but they're all kind of thin skinned and they're sweet. And so pests are going to be attracted to them. They're going to love them. And so it's going to take more work for those farmers to protect those crops from pests. So if organic is available to you, you want to buy those organic if you feel that's right for you. Mm -hmm. You said more work and I've heard those who are, you know, in favor of conventional farming. And certainly I have farmers who listen to the show and will reach out to me and I, I love you and I appreciate you. Don't get mad. But I have heard from them oftentimes that organic farmers, they're still using chemicals to keep, you know, pests and insects off of their crops. Whether it's natural or not, it's still a chemical and that oftentimes because they're less effective, they have to use a lot more of them. So what do you say to that argument? Right. So there's different types of chemicals. There's synthetic chemicals and then there's more natural pesticides. So a lot of what the conventional farmers are using are synthetic. They're man-made, they're toxic, and they can be poisonous to human health and also the environment. Yes, organic farmers do use pesticide controls as well that are more natural. They also use different farming techniques to help control pests like cover crops and they alternate their crop rotation, which is much healthier for the soil. And one of the problems that conventional farmers run into is they're just planting like these single crops. And so it's monocrops and they're just kind of pummeling them with all these pesticides and even fumigants, like pushing them into the soil. And they aren't getting any crop rotation. And so what ends up happening is then kind of the soil begins to die. And what happens then is then you're not delivering or producing like this really nutritiously rich food that can really, you know, power human health and also the environment. And once you have kind of like this dead soil, you can't really grow anything. You know, organic farmers, they rely on crop rotation and dense planting rather than toxic persistent pesticides and herbicides and synthetic nitrogen fertilizers. And so they're also like increasing the biodiversity, which also decreases the farm's impact on the environment. And so there's a lot of other like side effects when a farmer grows organic that we actually don't even really get to see. Because we just simply go to the market, we buy our foods and we check out and that's it. And we come home and wash it and prep it for our family. It's a different way of growing. Yes, organic farmers do use some of those, but they aren't the synthetic, really like toxic ones mm -hmm. 
that a lot of the big conventional ones do. And to be fair, because I, you know, I really like for people to hear a really honest depiction of what's going on and hopefully, as you said, make their own decisions. But to be fair, there's a lot of deception anytime marketers realize whether, you know, it's an organic farmer or conventional farmer. At the end of the day, they still have to sell their produce. Right. And when it comes to marketing, once we recognize that the consumer is willing to pay more for a label or a certification, deception enters into the marketplace. And also, to be fair, there aren't a lot of studies yet taking a look at even some of these natural pesticides that are being used that are approved and would still make someone compliant with their USDA organic seal. So, you know, I just think we all have to be really open-minded and look at, okay, so what do we know? And that's what we should start with is, okay, so what do we know and what do we need to keep our eye on, right? And I, I think it's important to just keep our eye on the fact that at the end of the day, if somebody wants to sell us something, we've just got to keep our eye on them. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of what the label is. Speaking of labels, what is it we should be looking for if we're like, okay, you know, I want to err on the side of caution. I do want to take a look at this list of foods that I should consider buying organic. How do I know it's organic and what labels should I be looking for? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. So if you really kind of want the simple cut and dirty quick version, it's, mm-hmm. it's really the USDA certified organic seal. What farmers have to go through to get that USDA certified organic seal is a lot. It's not easy. Their farm has to go through a three-year transition. They are subjected to rigorous tests, surprise inspections. They have to keep a paper trail of their whole supply chain. That is not an easy thing to do. Conventional farmers don't have to do that. And so it's really, in my opinion, this is only in my opinion, I'm sure there's a lot of people who might disagree with me, but I feel like it's our safest food supply chain out there. And when you buy USDA certified organic products, you're also buying GMO free. You're also putting down that dollar that says like, I support biodiversity. I support a clean environment. I also support preventing climate change because going back to the soil health, there have been a few studies out there that actually show that organic soil sequesters more CO2 than a conventional farm soil. So again, it goes back to the soil and how important it is. You know, we have a huge dead zone in the Gulf of Mexico that is the size of like one of our states where the water is just totally dead. That means no fish can survive off that. And what is that from? That's just from pesticide toxic residue runoff from our farms. Like that's kind of crazy. So when you buy organic, you are actually supporting and social change and like good. It's a really small action that somebody can take every time they go to the store or the farmer's market that says, I support a clean food supply, a clean environment and social change. And that small little piece of action has big impact. My listeners will often tell me that their number one challenge when it comes to buying organic produce is that they just don't have it in their budget. Yep. So what tips do you have for those who want to make this change and are willing to figure out some creative ways to make this part of their healthy lifestyle a priority? Excellent question. So number one, I would go back to the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. 
and that's EWGs, EWG.org, their Shopper's Guide to Pesticides and Produce, and also their Clean 15, which those are the foods that do not carry high pesticide residues. So that's like avocado, sweet corn, pineapples, cabbage, onions, sweet peas, that's sweet frozen peas, papayas, asparagus, mangoes, eggplant, honeydew, kiwis, and cantaloupe, cauliflower, and broccoli. So you could start there and then prioritize it. Another way to help you know, save your budget is buy in season. When you walk into a grocery store, if you go to the farmer's market, if you're lucky enough to have them by you, have you ever noticed the things that are on sale are in season? Because they have such an abundance. And it's like, I just went to the store the other day and they had organic strawberries, like these two huge carton of organic strawberries, two for $4. And these are big cartons of strawberries. These aren't the small pints. And they have an abundance. And so always look for the sales and buy in season. But that's another thing is we really actually want to eat seasonally. You know, have you ever noticed that eating a tomato in the winter just isn't the same? It just doesn't taste as great as when you yeah. eat a tomato in the summer. Yeah, it's not what our ancestors did. They didn't have access to these things year round. Their diets by force had to be phased. And I think yes. that's how we've evolved. And yes. I don't think that biology has not evolved at the same rate at which shipping and marketing and distribution has evolved. So even though we have access to some of these things, from a biological standpoint, we're not used to having access to them all year round. No. So it makes sense, I think, from that standpoint. And it certainly makes sense, as you've said, from a budget standpoint. Yeah. Speaking of which, how important do you think it is from a health standpoint? You know, let's set aside the financial implications, but from a health standpoint, how important is it for us to buy local? I will always buy organic, really, before I buy something that's heavily sprayed that's grown locally. I think it's important to support local. I absolutely love our local farmers. That's one of my favorite things about living in the city of Los Angeles is that I have access to all these amazing local farmers, but I don't want to be eating food that's rich in pesticide residue. I am into prevention, healthcare, and health insurance, as we all know, is off the charts. Anything I can do to keep my body clean of toxic chemicals and eat a clean food supply, I am going to do. Because it will hit you in the pocketbook. I am totally convinced. I've been doing this long enough, and I've received so many letters from our readers who, once they have cleaned up their diet and added real whole foods, and it doesn't all have to be organic, by the way, because it may not be accessible, but just taking the step of adding real whole foods to your diet can boost your energy. You can start shedding pounds. It's really quite amazing. But I really do believe in prevention. And if you can, the more toxic chemicals you can eliminate from your diet and also your personal care products, your skincare and your makeup, your body is going to hum and work like, you know, a fine tuned machine. Yeah. Not overnight. Yeah. We need to be on a continuum. I think oftentimes people expect that they're going to feel different immediately. But remember, you've had a lifetime of exposure to these things. Yep. Speaking of local farmers and farmers markets, by the way, I often will hear from people who say, oh, we don't have a farmers market in my area. Yep. And then they'll you know, write back to me and say, oh, I actually never looked. We actually do. 
So I encourage people to look. Look online. Do a Google search for your area. You could look on Yelp. Even, I mean, the smallest of cities and the most rural of areas I've found, you know, have these farmer's markets. Having said that, I recently had an experience where I went to a local farmer's market in kind of a shishi area of Orange County where all the Orange County housewives live. And it's like, you know, really expensive area. There's like all these Mercedes and Teslas parked all in the parking lot. And sorry to generalize, but that's what it looked like. (laughs) And I'm going through the market and I start asking the vendors if they are certified organic. And many of them said, oh, you know, we're not certified because it's really, really expensive. It is. But we're organic. And I thought, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I think there. So I feel like there are kind of like two definitions of organic because the USDA certified organic seal, there are a lot of politics wrapped up in that too. So it's very political and it may not be the best route for a farmer because it is expensive. Remember, we talked about earlier how much testing they have to go through, all the paperwork. It is a big ordeal to get that USDA certified organic seal and have their whole supply chain tracked. So I also feel that we have the USDA certified organic seal. And then I also feel there is organic the way mother nature intended. So meaning if something is wild and is grown without all of the synthetic pesticides and it creates biodiversity, it helps support the environment because there are a lot of farmers out there that do grow this way and they don't carry the USDA certified organic seal. And I think it's important to support them as well. Now, you can have a conversation with them and ask them how they grow and are they using cover crops? Are they you know, rotating their crops? What are they using to control the pesticides and really get to know the source of the food that they're supplying from? And then you know, ask for their farm's name, check them out on home, check out their website, see how they grow. And a lot of them I find are really passionate about this and they're very transparent. The ones that aren't so transparent or they can't answer your questions or they just kind of like, you know, blow you off, maybe that's not the right one then. Maybe you go to the next one. Yeah. You know, all of us are just like trying not to be taken advantage of, right? Like, I've heard stories of people who set up farmer's markets and they go to the local grocery store, buy conventionally farmed produce, set it out, charge it a lot more for it. That scares me. And for that reason, when I came home from that experience, I'm like, I wonder how much does it cost to get USDA organic certified. And I don't know if this is accurate, but from what I could find online, and again, looking at .gov sites, it looks like it's between maybe $500 and $1,500, depending on the size of your farm. And I just thought, I don't know, I I just see that as a, a no brainer of an investment. And maybe I'm missing more of the costs that is for the application and for the inspection, but maybe there's more cost to it, as you said, turning over yeah. the soil. I don't think that includes all the costs. No, I don't. Yeah, I think there's definitely more to it than that. The other thing I think we should also think about in terms of, yeah, we don't want anyone to get taken advantage of. Mm-hmm. But what I also think too is we shouldn't be taking advantage of farmers either. I feel like true farmers for many, many years who have been the backbone of this country, whether you grow conventional or not, or organic or not, they all need to be supported. But I feel like a lot of farmers have gotten a raw end of the deal too. And I feel like they need to be paid as well as their workers, like fair value for their hard work. And I think a lot of times 
they have been undersold and haven't been getting fair market value. And so there are many times when I'm at the farmer's market and yet there are some things that are more expensive and knowing that it is USDA certified organic. I know the farmer, I know kind of like the history and I know they're charging more and I could probably go to the grocery store and get something cheaper, but I'm willing to support that farmer directly, by the way, there's no middleman. So that farmer is going to be making more off my dollar than he would in the grocery store. And I love being able to do that. I love being able to support that because those people need to be supported like we do. Tell me, are there certain supermarket chains that you think are just, you know, doing a fantastic job of making organic produce a priority? And are there places you'd recommend people, maybe who don't have access, say, to Whole Foods in their area, where they can find maybe delivery services online? So I know that's a two-part question. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just kind of thinking about this, rolling it around in my head. It's a, you know, it's kind of a little bit of a complicated and also a little bit of a political question. You know, there's a lot of grocery stores out there that have added a lot of organic products and even created their own lines of organic products in their stores. Costco, I think, is one of the largest sellers in the United States of organic food. Wow. Which is really wild. Yeah. Yeah. Really wild. They, over the past, you know, five to 10 years have added a lot of organic products to their aisles. You know, I have to mention, you know, with the acquisition of Whole Foods by Amazon, Mm -hmm. now we can get organic foods delivered to our house, which is really kind of crazy. And I don't mean to taunt those who don't live near a Whole Foods, but I assume that's not nationwide. I assume you have to be within a certain radius of a Whole Foods. Yeah. You know what? I don't know the logistics of that. All we know is Laura and I are quite happy. We live in Southern California. (laughs) Not to rub it in. Don't move here. We've got enough traffic as it is, people. Yeah. But having said that, okay, maybe their produce is not available for delivery. Yes. In deep parts of the United States. But what you now have access to are a lot of the certified organic, like pre-made products that you can order and have delivered to your house. Another one you could also check out is Thrive Market. It's actually kind of like a membership site, a little bit like a Costco. So it's like a Costco meets Whole Foods, but now Amazon owns Whole Foods. So (laughs) anyway. Right. Amazon's soon going to own the world. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. And then there's others like Sprouts Farmers Markets. Mm-hmm. Kroger has really gotten, I mean, that's a huge national chain that has really gotten into the organic game as well. Even Walmart and Walmart, I think I have this correct. A couple of years ago, a few years ago, actually started buying organic farms to support their supply chain. Wow. So I feel like. Everyone is getting into the organic game. Even Target is getting into the organic game. Mm -hmm. Not only are they selling organic produce, but they're also selling natural and organic beauty products. And so you just kind of have to start looking. And I really feel like you're going to find it at your local stores. And there's a lot of other smaller stores, mom and pop stores. Just start looking. What are your thoughts on using all natural sprays that cleanse your produce of waxes and pesticides. Maybe even you're in a situation where you're in a cafeteria and some alternatives so you're able to protect yourself. What are your thoughts on sprays? Yeah, yeah. I think Eat Cleaner is great. I mean, that's a really fantastic product. 
And by the way, we should make very clear, just because something isn't organic doesn't mean that you shouldn't eat it. You should always be eating whole foods and vegetables, no matter how it's grown. So, but yeah, you should always wash it. And if you have something like Eat Cleaner, that is fantastic. Or you can do a simple DIY version, which is what I do is I have like a spray bottle and I have um, distilled white vinegar in it. I put about, it's about a three to one ratio between distilled white vinegar and water. And I spray all my produce with it and to clean it off. It is a natural antibacterial cleaner, distilled white vinegar, but they can't state that on the bottle because it's not registered with the EPA as a pesticide, which is really interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And the other thing I also just want to make clear too is people think that, okay, well, if I buy a conventional grown apple, I can just wash all the pesticides off and I'll still be safe. Not necessarily true. Oh, I'm glad you're talking about this. Please continue. Yeah. Yeah. Because you have to remember that if something is grown with a lot of chemicals and the soil is fumigated and then it's the trees or the bushes are sprayed again, those trees and bushes like absorb those chemicals. And so those pesticides can actually become part of the piece of fruit or produce. So wow, it's kind of like a misnomer that you can wash it all off. So you can wash a lot of it off, but you'll never get 100% of it. Well, to return this to your original, I think, catalyst that set you on course for this journey, you talked about cooking and how the best chefs were using organic produce and what a difference that made in their cooking. How so? Yeah, so what I was obsessed with and what I was passionate about was what produced the best tasting food product. I was just obsessed with like quality and taste. And I'm like, God, like this tomato is amazing. Where does this come from? Or, you know, where does this veg come from? Or this like piece of meat? Why is it so different than what I'm getting at home? If you start with a higher quality ingredient, you're going to end up with a higher quality dish at the end. And so going back to your question, it's like, so why were these chefs producing these amazing pieces of food or dishes? It's because they're starting with higher quality ingredients. And if you taste them, I encourage everyone actually to do their own taste tests like I did. Yeah. I mean, there's just so much almost deception around terms like grass-fed. Yes. Right? And and how little regulation there is. Cattle breeders realized that they could find unique ways to refer to their meat as grass-fed, even though it doesn't necessarily meet the same standards or the standards that the consumer believes. We've got to know a little bit more. And so I recently did an episode with the founder of ButcherBox. And all of their animal products are not just grass-fed, but grass-finished and ethically raised. And I'm telling you... Yeah, that is a big difference, by the way. Huge! Like, in taste, I just tell people, I'm like, whenever someone tells me they've ordered ButcherBox, I'm like, okay, do a taste test and let me know how mind-blown you are. Because I didn't believe it. I'm like, can you really tell the difference? Holy cow! There's like no comparison. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no pun intended, right? (laughs) No pun intended. And then I feel like, you know, people are always saying like, well, it's more expensive. But if you eat higher quality foods, you're not constantly craving more junk. Sorry, we interrupt the end of this podcast because I know after this conversation that many of you will want to know how you yourself can become a ButcherBox member. So this isn't a sponsored ad. It's just an opportunity for me to share a discount with you. Because ButcherBox, because of the interview that we did with them, have graciously given us the ability to pass along a discount to you. 
simply go to Butcher Box. Think of like, you know, a box that comes curated to your door each month. ButcherBox.com forward slash Shaleen. There, that will give you $20 off and in addition to that, free bacon. Now, bacon, people are kind of shocked sometimes when they hear me mention that bacon is part of my diet. Not any old bacon. It's got to be bacon where I know the source. And for me, dealing with ButcherBox has been such an amazing experience for myself and my family. We use our Instant Pot. The meat tastes completely different. We are eating far less meat, and we're eating meat that's of a higher quality, that's more satisfying, that's better for our planet, and that I know is responsibly sourced. It's incredibly convenient. They've got plenty of options. One where they pick the meats for you, that's a little lesser expensive option, ship them to you once a month. And another option where you can curate, meaning you get to select what is in your box. You will not be disappointed, and I hope that you will reach out to me and let me know what a game changer ButcherBox is for you. Again, it's butcherbox.com forward slash Shaleen. All right, back to our interview with Laura. I mean, I think you'd be hard pressed to prove that it's going to cost you more to eat a higher quality food because A, it's going to cost you more not to in terms of your health and longevity. I feel like, number one, we should all be eating less meat. Mm -hmm. Number two, we should be eating more plants and vegetables. Mm -hmm. And when you do eat meat, invest in higher quality meat because amen going to your point you're going to be way more satisfied you're not going to feel like oh i need something more to eat and you're actually going to be saving money in the long run so meaning if you don't put meat on your plate every single night of the week and you have let's just say two or three nights a week where you eat veg by the way you're going to feel amazing because You're not going to end dinner with this like heavy feeling, oh my God, I'm so full. I got to go take a nap or I got to go to bed early. Or maybe if you feel like you need meat every single night, maybe make that serving a little bit smaller and make your veg a little bit bigger. Mm, I love it. Now, when you say veg, you're you're talking about your plant-based portions, yes? Yeah, yes. I love it. (laughs) Exactly. And by the way, that's going to just help move everything through you and you're going to feel a lot better. And you might even notice that you may start shedding a few more pounds that, you know, you haven't been able to get, you know, let loose and your energy, you're going to wake up with more energy. It's really actually quite miraculous when you start doing that. Well, before we started recording today, Laura and I were chatting about a thing that we're equally passionate for, and that is gut health and inflammation and how, you know, inflammation is at the root cause of nearly every disease. Like it is crazy what we know today about inflammation and the effect it has on our autoimmune disease and hormones and mood and depression and sleep and everything. Yo, everything, including weight loss. So if for no other reason, if you're interested in just maybe breaking through some weight loss resistance and improving the way that you feel, you have to remember that inflammation comes when our body feels like it's under attack. It's got something in it that it doesn't recognize as being natural. So when we're eating products, perhaps laced with pesticides, or that, who knows, maybe because they are GMOs, for whatever reason, our body doesn't recognize it. And you're not going to feel like, oh, wow, I just ate that apple and now I feel horrible. It's a slow process. It's years and years and years of us eating fake foods that 
has resulted in chronic inflammation in so many of us that we just don't even know what it feels like to feel good. Consider shopping for organic and just paying more attention to the quality of the ingredients you're eating for your health to minimize inflammation. You know, embrace prevention and start adding more real whole foods to your diet, kind of just upgrading the quality of your food and eating more real food, your body is going to thank you. And I think you're just, Mm. you're going to start to feel it. Because of the stance that you take and, and of course the education that you provide on your site, do you sometimes find yourself on the other end? Are you the target of any type of backlash? Yes. Yes. We have, we have actually received some really interesting emails and also kind of Facebook stalkers and things like that. Yes, it's been interesting. Just delete, delete, delete. <laughs> yeah, block, block, block. Right. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Well, Laura, it has been awesome to get to know you. I just have to thank you for what you're doing on Organic Authority. I suggest my listeners go there, sign up for their newsletter, and please pass this episode along to a few friends who also probably need to know a little bit more about what they're feeding their family because you care about your family, right? And mom and dad, we're doing the grocery shopping. So it's up to us to protect the health of our families and to help everyone live their best possible life. Laura, thank you so much for being here today. We really want to have you back so we can talk about personal care items and makeup. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been such an honor. And oh, I forgot to mention, we do have this really exciting program on inflammation. If you want to take control of your inflammation and get into prevention, one of our organic authority experts, Amy Belpone, has created this amazing uh, digital program for us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Don't forget, it is so important to me and it's so meaningful to me when you leave reviews for the show. So I want to thank you in advance for taking a moment to do that on whatever app it is that you're listening to The Shalene Show. And as always, remember that sharing is caring. So all you have to do is hit that little box with an arrow in it on your podcast app when you're listening to this episode. And you can text this episode to someone you know who needs to listen. As always, you are thebomb.com. I just really appreciate you. I love you. Talk to you soon. This edition of The Shalene Show was brought to you by 131 Movement. Stop dieting. Save your brain. Save your gut. Live longer. Feel better. Stop going on a diet or following somebody else's rules and figure out what it means to have your own diet. Figure out a method that actually serves you, that helps you to be a better version of yourself. Let go of all of this craziness and confusion that surrounds diet and understand the science, the science of one, the study of one. Join the 131 movement today. We're taking back the word diet and getting what we are rightfully entitled to, which is our health. You deserve not just to look amazing, but to feel amazing. I'd love for you to learn more about my personal journey and why this is a true passion for me. I invite you to learn more by going to 131movement.com.